Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc or you can visit us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you have your Bible with you today, uh, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture, and you can turn there. If you don't have your Bible, fine. Cheat off your neighbor, use your smartphone, or we're going to put it on the big screen up here. You're okay. But if you brought your Bible and you want to turn there, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. We're going to be in two passages of Scripture. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. But we're going to start over in Exodus chapter 20. And when Brian and I were talking about it, when he called and said, hey, you know, would, would you be interested in coming to speak? And I said, absolutely. And he was telling me that you guys just came off of a series where you talked about relationships. And I said, well, we started a series last week called I Need Some Space. And so we kind of talked about this and, and, and it actually kind of lines up with, with what we're talking about. And so today what I want to talk about is the idea of being cramped, finding space in our relationships. And here's what I want you to hear. If you hear nothing else that I say, pull out your phone, write this down, tweet it, Facebook it, do something. Here's what I want you to hear today. Don't give up what only you can do for something that someone else will do. I don't see anybody writing. Write that down, type it up. Don't give up what only you can do for something that someone else will eventually do. And so today we want to unpack this idea of being cramped. And we all have been to that family member's house at... Man, I'm sorry, this thing is poking me in the face. I feel like I got a, a bee. We've all been to that family member's house at Thanksgiving or Christmas where things are kind of cramped. And, you know, where, where there's so much stuff, maybe it's so many Christmas decorations or they collect tchotchkes and there's stuff everywhere and there's so much stuff you have to go outside to change your mind. Uh, we've all been in those environments where it's just, there's, there's stuff. Maybe it's not a house, maybe, you know, it's a concert or you've been to the mall or something like that and there's just people everywhere. Maybe that's not your scenario. Maybe you're into the little devil thing, Pinterest. Anybody knows the tool of the devil, Pinterest? Maybe you're into Pinterest and you're one of those people that says, man, I got a project. I am collecting. I only need 4,000 toilet paper rolls. Okay, so you've got the box shoved under the bed and, and, you're, and you're stacked this high in your closet. You're collecting toilet paper rolls and, and, and you're out of space. My wife, she's not here in this service. And so I will. We have those Pinterest projects. She'll come home with something she found on the side of the road and say, this will be great. We'll just do. And what that means is, hey, I found this piece of junk. I need you to work on it for a couple of days. That's generally how that works out at our house. But, but we understand what it's like to be in an environment that's cramped where there's stuff all around us. And accidentally or unintentionally sometimes, we allow our life to get that way. We allow our schedule to be overrun with things. And not everything on our schedule is a bad thing. Sometimes we fill our schedule with so many good things that we don't leave room for the best. Some of us, we live financially on the edge and where we're just one bump, one hiccup away from a mess in our finances. Some of us live that way relationally. 
You know, if, if I were one of those circus people and I could start spinning plates over here and then start spinning plates over here and, and you know, we, 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 we're going to do this event with this person so we don't make them mad and then we have to run over here because we're in the key club and we have to run over here and we have to do this in the city and then we have these family member things and then we have this thing at work and we're spinning all of these different plates relationally. Have you ever seen what happens when somebody does that and they get too many plates? What happens? Crash, right? One of them falls and then it kind of becomes this domino effect. And so we get cramped in our life relationally because we add so many things. My dad had this uh, informal family tradition growing up where he would pull out a 55-gallon trash can? Yeah, that's the word. Trash can. He'd pull out this big trash can with a big trash can liner and he would go through closets and he would go through the garage and every six months he would just throw stuff away. And he would say in his dad voice, son, if you don't use it in six months, throw it away. Now, some of you just have had nightmares when I said that. Throw it away. What do you mean? Throw it away. I'm going to craft that or I'm going to fix that old car. That's that whatever. And so there's two, two types of people. There are the chunkers and there are the savers. And if you don't know what kind of person you are, go outside and look in your back seat. If you have to move more than two things for me to sit down back there, you can decide which type of person you are. But we're going to unpack this idea of being cramped. And we're cramped relationally. We're cramped in our schedule. We're cramped financially. And we can talk about being uncramped. But I think first we have to answer the question, why? Why does our life get so cramped? Why does it get so full of things? And we could all give answers to that question. And I think if we took every answer that every person in this room were to give and we were to whittle that answer down, I think we would come back to one thing. Are you ready for it? This is not real spiritual and it may or may not change your life, so don't get your hopes up too high. It's fear. Our lives are cramped, and we overcrowd our schedule, we overcrowd ourselves relationally, we overcrowd ourselves financially because of fear. So if I were to turn that around and ask that a different way, I would ask you, why do you spend 65 hours a week working a job for a boss that you don't like? Why do you cart your kids to 400 activities all over town after school, only to find out when they graduate high school, you don't really know your kids? Why do you do that? And inevitably, you probably would answer like I answer that question, something like this. I'm afraid if I don't, I won't get the promotion. I'm afraid if I don't, I may lose my job. I'm afraid if I don't do these things, my kids won't grow up to be well-adjusted adults. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, fear. And so accidentally or intentionally, we allow fear to make the decisions in our life. And here's what the devil knows about you and about me. He doesn't have to give us a concussion and make us forget every Bible verse we've ever heard in our life. All he has to do is to get you to be afraid. Because there are two forces in our life that are diametrically opposed to each other. And one is fear and the other one is faith. And if you've been around church any, number, any length of time, you've heard a verse that goes something like this. For without faith, it is... Somebody know the word? Anybody? Impossible. Thank you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so here's how I want to illustrate this for us this morning. Imagine, fast forward, six months and you're at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
And you're in line at your grandmother's house. And grandma has thrown down for Thanksgiving, okay? I mean, she has cooked pork, chicken, fish, steak, you name it. I mean, it's all out there. And you're standing in line. You're not at the front of the line. Because in my family, we have this weird tradition that you eat by age. So the older you are, you get to go first. And so, and so the young people got to go last, and so now I'm, I'm kind of at that middle age stage where I get to be in the middle of the line. You know, I'm not at the end, but I'm not at the beginning. And so you're standing there in the middle of the line at grandmother's house, and there's all this food that's laid out there, and you get there to the first thing, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a part of this away. Everybody puts the good stuff at the end of the line. Okay? Nobody leads with the good stuff, right? And so you're walking up to the line, and here are green beans and Brussels sprouts, and you have your plate. And all of a sudden you have a dilemma because you look at the end of the line and there is a single piece. It makes me hungry thinking about it. I didn't have breakfast of pecan pie and it's glistening. It has a little whipped cream on top, a little brown sugar sprinkled. There's a little bit of ice cream. It's warm. The ice cream's cold. It's melting. It is a beautiful sight to behold. And you're standing there with an empty plate, and here come the green beans and the Brussels sprouts, and you look at the end of the line, and there's that piece of pecan pie, and you have a problem. Do you fill up your plate with green beans and Brussels sprouts because Crazy Uncle Al is behind you, and you know Crazy Uncle Al is going to clean everything out? Do you fill up your plate with green beans and Brussels sprouts and then get to the end and not have room for the pecan pie? Or do you take the risk, you don't put anything on your plate and you get to the end and the pecan pie is gone? So a lot of times what we do is we fill our plate with things out of fear. We fill the plate of our lives out of fear. I'm afraid if I don't work this overtime that God cannot provide for me. I'm afraid that if I don't do these things relationally, that there's going to be something missing in my life. And so we end up sabotaging ourselves by filling the plate of our life with so much stuff that when we get to the good thing that God has for us at the end, we don't have room for it. So do we choose to operate out of fear? I'm going to get all the green beans. I'm going to get it while I can. I don't want to leave the money on the table. Maybe you said something like that. Or do we live a life out of faith saying, I trust a God who made me, who created me, and who knows everything about me. And he has the ability to provide for me. Do we operate out of fear? Or do we operate out of faith? You see, God knew this about me. And he knew this about you because there were these people in the Old Testament known as the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And God goes to Moses and say, Moses, go to Pharaoh. And you all know the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Huh, oh, baby, let my people go. And Pharaoh lets them go, and they go out in the wilderness, and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and here God has this group of people. And he has the opportunity to set up a culture, a society, a group of people, just like he wants it. And he gives them a list of guardrails, a list of rules, a list of guidelines. I call them the top ten. And in that top ten, in the Ten Commandments, one of the first things that God says to them, and if you brought your Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, And we're going to put it up here on the screen. We're going to read this together. It says this. 
It says, remember and observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For you have six days each week to do your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now here's a group of people that all they knew was work. They worked, they ate. They didn't work, they didn't eat. And they had been slaves for 400 years and all they knew were slave rules. And God comes to them and says, hey, I'm going to give you some new rules to live by. And one of the first ones is this, because God spoke in King James. He said, thou shalt taketh a dayeth offeth. So here you had a group of people that all they knew was to work. And one of the first things God told them was take a break. Your life is too cramped. You need to take a moment and and breathe. You need to uncomplicate your life. You need to take some things off of the plate. And you need to leave room to trust me. You need to leave room to trust me. Because I love how he ends that. If you could put that back up there real quick. It says... Uh, dedicated to the Lord your God. In one point, he says the same thing, and he says, for I am the Lord your God. Why does he say that? God made everything. God created it all. God can take it away just like that. And God says, trust me with everything that you have. Now, here's why I am so passionate about this topic. And, and I want to share it with you because it leads to a mistake that I made or almost made. Fourteen months ago, my wife and I moved nine hours or a little over 1,300 miles from where we lived in Texas, or the other way, 13 hours, 900-something miles, whatever. At the time, I grew up here in this town, and I had lived in Texas for 10 years, and God called us back uh, to Brandon. And we had, at the time, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. If you ever want some good therapy in your life, move 954 miles with a six-month-old. It'll change your life. I mean, it will, it'll, I'm thinking about calling Dr. Phil and saying, hey, for whatever ails you, you know, you need to put a, a kid in the car with a moving truck and go 900 miles with a six-month-old. So we moved and we get here and we started a landscaping business. Um, I'm not normally this tan, handsome, and good-looking, um, but I'm kind of like a Pop-Tart. In the summer, I just get all toasty. and So I'm out mowing these yards, and we start this lawn business, and six weeks into it, God has blessed us so much that we just have to start turning away business. And things are going really well. And so here we are. I'm mowing these lawns, which by the time we get to the end of summer, I'm mowing about 60 yards a week with a push mower in 5,000-degree heat in Mississippi. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm mowing all these yards. We're here because God's called us to plant a journey church in Brandon. And then I have a wife and three kids who got moved here from a state that they've lived their entire lives. And then they get moved to Mississippi. And the discussion in our home began to change because here's what began to happen. God began to bless what we were doing with our landscaping business. And so I was leaving at about 8 in the morning and coming home about, you know, 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, which, you know, is a full day if you don't take a lunch. And so I'm working all day. And then that kind of prolonged to leaving on time and coming back at 6 or 6.30 in the evening. Bedtime was 7, so I was still making it to see the kids. And then that got bumped to I was leaving at 4 in the morning 
to go take care of some properties that were business and I could mow them whenever. So I was leaving at four in the morning and I was working all day and I wasn't coming back until eight or eight thirty at night. And most of you don't know my wife, but besides being beautiful, uh, she was a bank manager. And from before we got married until after we had our first son, she managed a bank. And so she's organized. She knows lots about business. And so she was able to shoulder a lot of the load that I was handing her. But like many of you, maybe you've experienced this tension in your marriage. Because what was happening was I was offloading my responsibilities to her because I was off providing for our family. And God had provided these opportunities, but I began to operate out of fear, thinking that if I don't work sun up to sundown, God can't bless me. And so what began to happen was I would, I would fear that we wouldn't have enough money. And I would fear all of these things that, 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 that God couldn't bless us because I'm over here trying to do all of these things. And I'm negating the very thing that God has asked me to do. That's why, that's why we started with, don't give up the thing that you can do, that only you can do, for something that someone else will do. Because here's my prayer in life. I am not always going to be mowing 60 yards. You know, God love these people. You can mow grass. It's not rocket science. So my prayer is, I don't do this the rest of my life. And the church that we start in, and Brandon, as awesome as it's going to be, someone else will eventually pastor it. I will not live forever. But God gave me a wife and three kids. And I am the only husband that my wife will ever have while I'm alive. You can read into that what you want. And I am the only dad, the only father that my children will ever have. And so here's what began to happen. Like you, I only have 24 hours in a day. And I was running out of time. And so I began to steal time from my family in order to invest it in a landscaping business and in a church that we were going to plant. I didn't say borrow. I stole. I had a decision to make, and I made the wrong choice. I stole time from my wife, from my kids, in order to invest it in something that somebody else can do. And I speak with such passion about this because I don't want anyone else to make that same mistake. God designed us. He built us to have space. And so many times we overcomplicate. We cramp our lives because we don't trust him. We don't trust him. So there was this growing tension in our marriage, and I've been in ministry long enough to know what was going to happen at the end of this story. I knew that if we didn't address this tension, that if we didn't solve this problem in our marriage, that this was going to end up in a mess that maybe nobody could fix. Kind of like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't quite get it back together again. And so that was my life. Here I was, had left a job in a church to move here to do something extraordinary. 
and I found myself giving my time and effort and energy away to something that at the end of the day didn't matter. And it's so easy for us to fall into that trap too, isn't it? Are you with me? Say yes. It's easy for us to fall into that trap because you know what? Your boss is probably going to yell louder than your spouse. So as long as they're happy and nobody's screaming at home, we're okay. And so Stacy and I went to dinner one night and we were, we were talking over it. And for us, anytime there's going to be a serious conversation in our life, it always revolves around fried rice and egg rolls. So anytime Stacy says, do you want to go get Chinese? Batten down the hatches, baby. We're going to have a discussion. So we go and we're having dinner and we're sitting there talking and we get to the point and I say, okay. It's not possible for me to stay home until everybody's love tank is full, until I've spent enough time with everybody because I would actually never go to work. Uh, that's the way it works at my house. Um, and so with three kids and a wife, it's, it's just busy. And so I realized I couldn't do that. So, so we talked and I said, okay, so what does ideal look like? She said, well, you can do whatever you want to in the morning, but you need to be home on time in the evenings because three kids and you pull out what little hair you have left because it... it Stuff comes unraveled. And so I said, okay, I can do that. And we had gotten to this point in our marriage where we agreed at dinner that night. We said, you know what? We're committed to staying marriage, married. And when I got married to Stacy, I married Stacy. I didn't marry marriage. She didn't marry marriage. She married me. And I hear people all the time saying, well, we're just committed to our marriage. We're committed to making it work. Oh, we're just committed to marriage. There's a time and a place for that. But that's not a place that I want to live. And so we had to make some decisions. We had to make some choices. And you face the same choices and decisions every day. And that's what we want to talk about today. So let's go back to our plate analogy for just a minute. We all have a plate And on that plate are the things that you and I are responsible for. Stay with me. Maybe you're a student. And so on your plate is the the activity of being a student. There's a book on here. Maybe uh, you're married and there's a picture of my wife. And so my wife is my responsibility. She is on my plate. And maybe you are the captain of a city league softball team. Uh, no, we didn't win. This is a participation trophy. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's something that, that happens in your life. Maybe you have a job and you provide for your family. And so there's, the, there's a responsibility of earning money uh, on there. And, and, and maybe you're somebody that works with your hands. And so there's th- that responsibility. And maybe you're the person at home that that uh, cooks dinner, and so there's that responsibility on your plate. And your life, like my life, looks like this. It's a little full. It's a little crowded. And then we have a son or a daughter, little Johnny or little Sally, and Sally's into ballet and Johnny is into sports. And so as a parent, we have a responsibility to love and support our children, and so we put that responsibility on our plate too. But when our life gets cramped and we choose to invest our time in something that doesn't matter, when we choose to steal time from our family members to invest it or spend it somewhere else, here's what we do. We take something off of our plate that was designed to be our responsibility and we add it to their plate. 
something that they were never designed or equipped to carry, we have now given them that responsibility and asked them to do it. Now, there's a simple test to know if you've ever done this in your life. And it's this. If you were to ever go back to that person and say, you know what? It's going to be better soon. Once we get past this season, once we get past this issue at work, once we get past this project, it will get better, I promise. And get better, I promise, never comes. And you know what happens when you hand somebody something? They always accept it because they want to be a good spouse. They want to be a good husband, a good wife, a good child, a good student. And so they accept that weight that they were never designed to carry And so we as the person that gave them that weight will go back and we'll check on them. How you doing with the weight? Are you okay? I know that's my responsibility, but it's just a couple more weekends. I'm going to be gone for work and then I'm going to be back and it's going to be okay. It's going to be better in the future. I promise. And no matter how much they want to be supportive over time, spiritually, physically, emotionally, you know what happens? That weight that we have given them, that we were designed to carry, begins to get too heavy and and the plate drops. What happens when the plate drops in our life and our relationship is just what happened here. Well, what happened? All I did was ask her if we had any sweet tea in the refrigerator. And she got mad and left. Slammed the door, went to her mom's. I haven't seen her for three days. What happened? And we look at that one event and went, whoa, we got a problem here. And it's not that one event. It's that we have over time placed our responsibilities onto someone else. And they are not equipped and not handled, not able to handle that responsibility. And so I ask the question this time instead of making a statement. Are you investing your time in relationships where only you can invest them? Or are you investing the majority of your time in an area that God never intended for you to invest it? Because no matter how good you are at your job... I like to thought, I mean, my last job, I thought, man, when I leave here, the place will fall down. It will crumble into nothing. And then I walked away and I watched them on Facebook for months thinking, okay, at any day now, there's going to be like a fire and the place is going to burn down. You know, it's still there. They're still going. We all like to think that about ourselves. And when I choose to cheat my family to invest time somewhere else, we begin to have this tension in our relationships. But the cool thing about it is God knew you and me well enough that he gave us some help on the front end. There were a group of guys who followed a man around named Jesus. The disciples, you may know. And they watched Jesus and they followed Jesus and they followed Jesus for so long, they actually had the crazy idea that they began to believe what Jesus said. So they followed Jesus, they began to believe Jesus, and that belief changed to obedience because they began to do what Jesus said. And Jesus died on a cross, and he was buried and crucified, and he rose to heaven. And then these guys began to write down the things that they had seen and that they had heard. And there was a guy who had been around these guys, who had been around Jesus. Are you still following me? Okay, there's a guy that had been around these guys, who had been around Jesus. His name was Paul. 
And Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, and it's Ephesians chapter 5. And if you've ever been to a wedding, I can almost guarantee you my lunch money for this week. They used something from Ephesians chapter 5. And so Paul writes this about relationships in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says this, chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now there's that word that none of us like. Not Christ, submit. We don't like the word submit. Well, you have to submit to me because the Bible says so. Well, what does submit mean? Submit means that I put my deal ahead of your deal. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we're going to get to this in just a minute in the context of the marriage relationship. But in all of our relationships, we are to submit to someone else out of reverence for Christ, meaning your deal is more important than my deal. And where I invest my time, we have to agree so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit your husbands, or wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the men are sitting here going, Yeah, that's what I told you. Submit to me. Right? Okay, yeah, like they're punching each other down here. It's going to be great. Hey, afterwards, we'll like set it up in the parking lot. It'll be awesome. <laughs> men, you're not out of the woods yet. Husbands, that's the other half. Love your wives. And because God knows we're thick-headed, guys, he tells us how, right? He gives us instructions. Like most of us, it's like the gas grill that we're going to get from Father's Day. We're going to try to put it together without reading the instructions, but the instructions are still there. God gave us the instructions. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for it. Husbands, love your wives not like you think they should be loved. Husbands, love your wives not like you think you want to love them today. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself up for it. Jesus said, this deal is more important than investing my time somewhere else. And we all face that challenge. Are you investing your time, your effort, your energy in those relationships where there is input that only you have? Because only you can be a spouse. Only you can be a husband. Only you can be that child. Only you can prevent forest fires. That just came to me. Only you can do those things. Or are we investing our time in a job and in a career or in a hobby or in something else? Because here's the interesting thing. The Bible never directs us to submit to our career. We're never directed to submit to an interest. We're never directed to submit to a calling. I believe fully God has called me to do things in my life. And the same is true for you. God has called you to do things with your life that will impact the kingdom. But those things never trump the relationship that you have with those in your family and the relationship that you have with him. So the question today for all of us is, are you giving up? Are you stealing time from those relationships, those people in your family where only you can invest it 
to invest it somewhere else that in the end does not have eternal value. And so I'll give you the resolution of how this played out in our lives. Stacy and I at our famous Chinese dinner, um, we decided, you know what, something's got to give. God has blessed our business, but he didn't call us here to start a landscaping business. And so we gave away, we found a gentleman, we gave away half of our business. And some of you look at me like, okay, I'm self-employed. I connect the dots. You're giving away half of your income. And that's just true. But here's what I've learned through this process, and no doubt you've learned it too. And if you look back on your life, you'll know it to be true. God has an unblemished record of taking care of me. God has an unblemished record of providing for you. And he's not going to mess it up now. So do we trust that God is going to provide for us? Or do we live our lives out of fear and allow fear to overcrowd our life? And out of that crowded life, sometimes when the plate drops, it signals the end of a relationship. I know I should be here preaching the good news, but sometimes that's just the truth. Sometimes when the plate drops, it takes years to regain the trust that was lost. Sometimes when the plate drops, grades fall, intimacy evaporates. When we hand off something to someone else to go do something somewhere else, we've given up our responsibility as a parent, as a father, as a wife, as a husband to do what God has called us specifically to do. Are you with me? Say yes. So maybe you are here today and you've been walking with Jesus, you've been walking with God, you've been doing this Christian following thing for a long time. And maybe today you're here and we read through these verses and you've probably no doubt read them a million times. And today just through our conversation together, you realized I have accidentally or intentionally allowed my life to get cramped, overcrowded and crammed in with stuff. In a moment, Josh and the band's going to come back and I'm going to go ahead and invite them up. Maybe you have that realization today that accidentally or unintentionally these things have happened in your life. And they're going to lead us in a song and we're going to have a moment of response. You need to work that out between you and God because here's what fear will tell you. Fear will tell you, okay, bald guy, you don't know my family because they have the capacity to hold this much. Your plate was only this big, and they, they can hold a whole lot more. My family has lived with me this long. They know that's the way that I am, and they can do this much. But here's the problem with this much. It has its limit. We all have a limit. We all have a capacity. And if we're not careful, we will overload those folks around us with things that they were never intended to carry. And fear will tell you, oh, they're fine, they can do it. And then the plate drops. And what happens? Maybe you're here today and you haven't been following Jesus that long. You're like me, man. You're still reading and still trying to figure it out. And maybe today you've come to the realization that I am investing some precious time in some things that don't matter. I've neglected my relationship with my Heavenly Father. I've neglected my relationship with my family out of fear. 
that God won't provide for me. Or that if I don't do these things, then these things won't happen in my life. We're going to stand in a minute and we're going to begin to sing. And if that's you, man, you need to deal with God. Because God has an unblemished track record of taking care of you. And he's not going to mess it up today. Maybe you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus. Can I tell you that you're sitting in a room of people who would stand up here person after person who have made the decision to trust Jesus and they would tell you exactly what I'm about to tell you and it's this. That's an exchange that I made that I would never go back on. Because the plan that Jesus has for you includes green beans and Brussels sprouts, but it also includes the pecan pie. And not just a slice, the whole thing. And so today you get to leave this room, you get to sit in this moment, and we can realize that we're investing this time in relationships that don't matter, or we have a heavenly father that loves us more than anything in the world. And he loves you so much that he gave his son to die on a cross to pay for the mistakes that he didn't make, that you made, that I made. If that's you, man, there is a card in your seat. And there's a lot of blanks on this card. But here's what we need. A name and a phone number. And if you want to write on here on the back, you can check it on the bottom, my spiritual journey, or you can fill it out on the back. So you know what? I want to know more about following Jesus. Pastor Bryant and team, would you pray for me? Because I have this area of my life that I have just allowed to get overcrowded and overcramped, and it's all because of fear. We're going to stand in just a moment. They're going to lead us in a song, and you respond, and you can leave it in that box on your way out today. But here's the challenge for every one of us. Do not leave this room today thinking that you have it all together thinking that you have walked with Jesus so long that you don't have to respond because I guarantee you there is a relationship in our life where the plate is getting ready to drop. And I have spent time with people who have sat across from my desk and have said, you know what, I, I, I don't have time to work on my relationship with my wife, with my husband, my spouse. And then the plate drops and they find time like you wouldn't believe. I don't have time to invest in my, in my child, in my kid, because I'm working to provide for my family. They don't have the time to invest in that relationship. And then the wheels fall off in the kid's life, and they find all kinds of money, all kinds of time to try to fix that relationship, when if they would just have invested it on the front end, the plate never would have dropped. So that's our challenge today. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.